This morning, we're going to begin a new series in the book of Joshua. So the last uh, five or six weeks, we've been doing a series called Miracles, and it's been a thematic series. Uh, But what we generally like to do is we like to go verse by verse through a book. It keeps us on track and makes sure that we don't just pick up on our hobby horses and it makes sure that we actually are preaching the word of God uh, and not just what I want to tell you. <laughs> um, so we're back doing that this morning. We're in Joshua. Uh, but actually before we begin Joshua as a book, it's important that we kind of set this up and give the right introduction to it. And so we're actually going to be in Numbers this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 27 verses 12 through 23. Now Joshua is a book about the kingdom of God advancing through God's promises and his people's courage. It's a transitional book. It's moving from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, which are uh, laying the foundation for this nation to be established that will bless all nations but we're transitioning we're moving from that establishment to a nation which is now ready to inherit the land that it's been promised they are on the cusp of advancing and taking ground for God but Aaron and Moses are dead after Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy it says there was no one like him And so they have this leadership gap. They have this leadership crisis. What are we going to do? There was no leader like Moses. Moses led us out of slavery from under the Egyptians. And it was him that God used to part the Red Sea for us all to pass through and for our enemies to be destroyed. It was him who led us through the desert wilderness. What are we going to do without this great leader? And like Israel, we need leaders, don't we? Our culture aches for good leaders, people we can actually trust. We now have a generation of young people who feel as though they can't trust any of their leaders. They feel as though they can't trust their politicians and what they say. They feel as if they can't trust the celebrities that they hold in high esteem until they say something silly, do something stupid, and give some kind of endorsement that really means nothing because they don't have the character to back it up. They have been failed by their institutions. But the reality is that we are all led. Every single one of us is led, whether we like it or not. We might like to think that we're independent thinkers, that we can do this all ourselves, that I don't need people to lead me in any way. I can just work all of this life out myself. That just isn't true. That's not the way it works. You are being influenced whether you like it or not. And we need to choose who's going to influence us. Joshua was a, a leader who displayed the promises of God continually. And he did that by being willing to run into danger with courageous faith. And I'm convinced that we need some spirit-filled, courageous leaders in every area of our society today. We need people sat in this room 
to realize that God is calling them to be courageous leaders in their spheres of influence. So as an introduction to Joshua, we're going to go into Numbers 27 now. And Moses is taken uh, by God to an area of mountains into some hills to survey the land that he won't inherit, but Israel will. And then he's told, I want you to appoint a successor. And we're going to see three things. We're going to see three things about what leadership is. We're going to see three things about how we can be leaders in our areas of influence. Whether that be your family or your workplace, uh, in the church, wherever that might be. And number one is this, that God wants us to be leaders who are servants. God also wants us to be, number two, leaders that are followers. And number three, God wants us to be leaders who are encouragers. So let's turn to Numbers 27. I'm going to read from the NIV. Sometimes we use the ESV. Today we're in the NIV. It's Numbers 27 and I'm beginning it in verse 12. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abram range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honour me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, and in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eliezer, the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and he made him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. Let's pray. Father, I pray that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we open your word, as we proclaim its goodness, would you change our hearts and help us to be filled with courage and strength to be the people that you're calling us to be. Lord, we are fed up looking at people who we are supposed to follow who don't have the strength of character that you lay out for leadership. And so, Father, we pray that we would be people who you would raise up to have great integrity. They would be people who are not about themselves and their own glory, but people about your glory and other people's good. 
Help us, Lord, to be people who are willing to lay our own lives down for others. And Lord, we know that that is no small feat. We know that we need your help. We know that we are selfish. We know that we need you to come and help us be selfless. We need your Holy Spirit now to change us. Come, we pray in great power. Help us to be Christ-like. Help us to be more like you. Amen. We need leaders shaped as servants. What our nation servants, what our nation so desperately needs are godly leaders. Leaders who will trust in the promises of God and lay down their own glory for the glory of God and for the good of others. Moses sets the example for us straight away here. In verses 12 and 13, God tells Moses, you're going to die. That's what he's saying in those first two verses. You're going to die like Aaron. Now go up this mountain and survey the land that you won't inherit, by the way. And his response isn't, oh Lord, but can I just get one more chance at inheriting the land? No, his response is concern for the people. His response is, Lord, would you appoint someone who will be a shepherd to these people? Don't leave them shepherdless. Don't leave them just wandering around. Give them someone who can lead them and give them strength and courage. In every part of our society, from family life to workplaces to politics, we need godly leaders. We need leaders who will take land, who will rise up and be brave and courageous people for God in every sphere of society. We need mums who are going to lead well. We need dads who are going to lead well. We need teachers, medical professionals, business people, bloggers, vloggers, civil servants, cleaners, beer drinkers, coffee shop owners, telesales people. We need all kinds of people to rise up in the spheres of influence that God has given them and take land for God. Leaders are necessary in every area of life. And I'm praying that God would raise as many up in this nation and in this city as possible to be great influencers for the kingdom of God. It's been a big week for us as a nation, isn't it? You couldn't have missed the debate that's been going on as the Conservative Party try and pick their next leader. And it's a little depressing when we watch it, let's be honest. Now that's not to say anything about the candidates necessarily, but just watching the way that it has taken place is a little depressing. It's not, we're not looking at People and asking questions about how they can handle themselves with great character, faithfulness, love. We're looking at them and asking all their own questions. But the pivotal question has been this. How will you lead us through the greatest political challenge of our generation, Brexit? It's been all about that really, hasn't it? But what we have here in Joshua, as the people look over the Jordan and into the Promised Land, is a far greater challenge than Brexit. It's a challenge that makes Brexit look puny. Now the Amorites, 
have been in the land for over 400 years. And the Amorites is a, a general term that uh, would be a bit like calling us British, but we're also Scottish. So you'll also see throughout the book of Joshua that different peoples are mentioned, but they all are under this banner of the Amorites. Okay, so um, you might hear Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. I once had an Old Testament professor who said, no one knows how to pronounce these, so just say them with confidence, and no one will notice. I forgot that right now. But uh, these people have been in the land for over 400 years, and actually if we look back to Genesis, um, we can see in Genesis 15 that God says, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, but the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. In that 400 years, of course, the people have been in slavery under Egypt, the Israelites. And then they are miraculously set free under the leadership of Moses. And then they're in the land and they're waiting for, they're in the, the deserts and they're waiting to get into the promised land. And so 400 years has taken place since God spoke that to Abraham. And now they're on the cusp. The Amorites have reached that point where their sin has, can no longer be tolerated. No longer are they going to be shown grace. No longer are they going to be shown mercy. Because for 400 years, God's given them an opportunity to repent. And for 400 years, they've continually denied that opportunity and gone their own way, pursued their own thing, rather than submitting to God and saying, okay, we repent of all of our ungodly behavior. And so now the Israelites are about to cross into that land and a part of what's going on is is judgment. The Amorites are about to be judged and God's going to use the Israelites to do that. But actually it's not primarily about that. We'll explain more about what that looks like in uh, the weeks to come. And we're going to talk a little bit about how God is still gracious to them. And we see characters like Rahab who are saved by God when they put their faith in him and trust him and no longer continue to go their own way, but go the way of God. But actually what this is primarily about is God's promises. God's promises to Abraham, Isaac and Moses. It was about uh, them going into Yahweh's turf, into the land that belongs to God and to his people. It's about Israel taking on its inheritance, not that it deserves, but by God's grace he has given them so that they might be a people, not only to bless themselves, their own nation, but the nations. And it points forward to when a time that battles will no longer rage and a kingdom will advance upon the earth through a better Moses. And his name is Jesus. But right now, the question is this, who is going to take over from Moses? Who is going to advance for God's glory? Who will step into the land with courage and confidence in God? God was looking for a leader who wasn't about receiving acclamation of the crowds. He was not looking for someone who in the squares would be someone who is winning popularity contests. He doesn't advance his kingdom through people winning popularity contests in the squares. 
He advances his kingdom through servants in his courts. Like Joshua learns, all of us who must lead, who must step up into our spheres of influence and lead for the kingdom of God, we must be primarily servants of God. Servants of God and servants of the people. And actually, the ultimate test of love is that sometimes, as somebody who serves God and serves the people, you need to be willing to be unpopular. Will you do and say the hard thing when you have to? It might leave you unpopular, but it's the right thing to do. Will you do it? One of the most revealing moments in Joshua's life so far is when he's coming down the mountain with Moses and they've been up on that mountain for 40 days and nights. They've been fasting and praying. Moses has been in the presence of God. He's received the commandments from God. And Joshua, as his assistant, has been a little bit further down the mountain, waiting and praying faithfully. And then, as they come down the mountain, Moses commented that he could hear singing. Joshua responded immediately. When Joshua said this, when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. It was a war being waged in the hearts of the people. They'd only been on their own for 40 days without guidance from a leader for 40 days. And because of that, they're now leaving God and making a homemade God out of gold, this bull this golden bull that they make. And now they're in a place where they're worshipping this homemade God that will give them the answers that they want rather than the God who they're not willing to wait on. They think, oh, we must, they must be dead. We'll lose trust in God now. We're going to just make our homemade God. And actually what we see here is that there are moments that will come where a battle will begin to rage. One that will take place in people's hearts. And we'll have a choice. Do we just ignore it? Do we just leave it and say, oh, okay, that, you know, let them do their own thing? Or will we engage with it? And the answer, of course, is that we must fight. We must fight for the people. To turn to the one true God. To hear truth and be set free. Because the reality is that what's happening is people's hearts are being taken captive when they don't embrace the truth about who God is. And we have a duty with the truth to go to them and be willing to fight. The Apostle Uh, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus when he said this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Guys, there's more going on in Glasgow and in Scotland, in Europe, around the world, than meets the eye. There is a battle raging, and that battle is for people's hearts. And guys, we've been given the truth. It's right here. And we have the truth that will set them free. 
we must be willing to go with the truth, even when it leaves us unpopular. In moments of uncertainty, we often give God ultimatums, don't we? God, come and speak now, or I'm out, I'm going to do something else. I'm off. God, come and answer my prayer about this thing. Give me this next step in my life. I need to know what comes next. God, come and speak to me now. Otherwise, I'm out. But actually, what the faithful person does is they pray to God and say, God, I need your help. I need your guidance. And then they wait. They are willing to wait. We mustn't do what the people did here and run off and make a homemade God. Because that's what we're guilty of doing time and time again. We might not even realise we're doing it. But we get our comfort from other things. We put our trust in other things. And surprise, surprise, those things don't last. But if we trust in God, in the end, we know that his promises will come through. And that's what Joshua did. To truly discover what it means to be a servant leader leader, will almost always require us to stand firm in the promises of God when life is tough. When there's an interim period of silence, when there's a moment where you think, I don't know where God's at right now. I don't know where he's at in my life right now. But choose to trust him. Look back to what he's done for you already. Look forward to what he has promised he will do for you. And trust him in the interim. And that's where we'll form Christ-like character. Waiting, praying, fasting. Like Joshua was willing to do. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking, man, why am I going through this thing right now? It's painful, it's infuriating. I don't know why I'm going through it. Lord, why? And your temptation might be just to kind of walk away and think, well, life just life's hard, and so therefore there can't really be a God and He's not really with me. But the truth is that it may actually not be holding you back. But it could be the very place that God is making you a great and faithful servant in the courts of the King of Kings. In 1 Peter it talks about being refined like gold in the fire. Fire is painful. If you want to be shaped by God, there will probably be painful moments in your life. And I would just urge you, keep trusting God's with you. And actually he might be doing something extraordinary in your life through that very thing. We need leaders shaped to advance as servants. We also need leaders shaped as followers. The greatest joy of a leader in the kingdom of God is that you are not the king. Even if you become a king with a throne and a crown, you're not the king of kings. You're the leader's leader. The shepherd's shepherd. You would hope that this is really obvious. But unfortunately, time and time again, particularly with young men, we see these guys just thinking it's all about them. If I read enough leadership books, if I do all the right things, if I give off this charisma and persona, then I'll be a great leader in the kingdom of God. No, that's not what makes you a great leader. 
No good Christian leader is shaped by seven principles for effective leadership. They're shaped by God. They're not shaped to be muscular or intellectually renowned. They're shaped to have godly character. With God, it's always character over ability. Even character over the gifting he gives. And that character is shaped by our devotion to God. It's not shaped by anything else. If we really want to be people who make an impact for God, we've got to spend time with him. Perhaps the greatest insight into Joshua's hunger to seek God for every moment of his life is in Exodus 33. Listen to this, starting in verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Did not leave the tent. In a life or death situation, even the most devout atheist will give prayer a shot. Some of you might pray when you need something. But if we want to make an impact for God, if we want to make an influence and lead in the areas God has placed us, we need to pursue God leading for our everyday. God is looking for people who are genuinely devoted to him. The consequences of Joshua's decision would have had a major impact on his life. Think of it. I'm going to stay in the tent and I'm going to keep worshipping. I'm going to keep pursuing God. I'm going to keep inquiring of God. While all the rest of his friends are out doing whatever they want to do as young men. We need young people, young guys, young women who are willing to stand up and be counted. And the way that you do that is not just to run out the door and start making bold proclamations. The way you start doing that is closing the door behind you and spending time with God. We must be a people who are spending time with God. Lindsay and I were chatting about this this week and it's, some, it's an area where I feel convicted again. I feel like, oh man, I need to spend much more of my time in prayer and in intimacy with my Father. Because that is where I will be moulded to be used by God. What greater privilege is there than that? We get to go to our Father every day in the power of the Holy Spirit called Abba, Daddy. Moses unwittingly gives us a clue in his plea to God here on the mount in Abiram as to who a great leader should be shaped to be. When he asks God not to leave the congregation as sheep without a shepherd, 
We then go, oh, I've heard that phrase before. And we go to Jesus. And Jesus picks up this phrase. In fact, Matthew says it about him. He says, uh, Jesus picks up the phrase um, when he looks at his people in his day and he says they are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had come as the ultimate shepherd, the shepherd of shepherds. And so he is the one that we look to as our ultimate leader. Hebrews 3 helps us to see this. This is a transitioning moment, isn't it? From Moses, who's about to commission Joshua as this leader of the Israelites as they cross the Jordan and into the land and advance into what God has given them. But here we read in Hebrews 3 that there is a better Moses. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus had been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder, builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. This is about seeing that if you want to be a truly great leader, if you want to be truly influential, you've got to look to Jesus. Jesus is the leader of leaders. He is the one who we need to learn from. Let's go to him day after day after day. Joe Virgo now leads a, a church in Brighton. And he's the son of Terry Virgo, who began the movement of New Frontiers churches. Now, we're part of Advance, but we're also part of this wider network called New Frontiers. And uh, although we're loosely affiliated uh, as New Frontiers now, it's much more about being part of Advance. And we are still thrilled that we get to say that we've got this lineage. We've kind of come from this place where Terry Virgo set out decades ago to pursue what it means to be a church that's both spirit-filled and Bible-believing and omniscient. And so there are principles we still hold to today. And Joel Virgo was being interviewed about growing up in his house about his, and what, what it was like growing up with his dad. And he said that the one thing that really set him apart, the one thing he always remembers, is that when anything went wrong, Terry, his dad would close the door behind him in his study and be found to pray. So always his instinct was just, I need to go and pray about this. I just go and spend time praying. Just go and be with my father. Before he made any big decisions, when anything went wrong. But also, he would go there in the good times. He would go there daily and he'd spend time with his father. We need to be like that. One example he gave us if we want to do great things for God, see his kingdom advance, we need to be leaders shaped by God in his presence. Lastly, we need leaders shaped as encouragers. The normal pattern of leadership development isn't that just one day you will suddenly be a great leader. It doesn't work like that. It takes time. And actually, in almost every situation, it takes Leaders before you, encouraging you and building you up 
and giving you opportunities. God says to Moses in verse 20, give some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. Moses has been doing this for a while. He's been giving over authority to Joshua. He's been giving him experience. He's been giving him opportunities to serve. But now there's a time that's come where he's to give over some of the primary responsibilities that he's got to lead the nation. But he doesn't just get there magically. It is through this willingness to encourage and give people opportunities. And so at Glasgow Grace, one of the things that we are so keen to do is not only to see a few voices up here or a a couple of people serving over there or a couple of people serving out on the streets or a couple of wherever it is, wherever that area is that we feel like God needs to, uh, that God is drawing us to serve in, that actually we'd be seeing leaders giving other younger leaders, or maybe not necessarily younger, but less experienced leaders, opportunities after opportunities after opportunities. I am so thankful that I was part of a church in my early to mid-twenties where I was just given constant, continual opportunities. And let me tell you, I was really bad at stuff. I was not great at lots of things. Think it's not that great now? You should have seen it. And actually what we need to do is model that. We need to say, look, let's give more people who are showing potential and gifting, but also character, opportunities to serve and flourish. And so if you're sitting outside there today and you think, oh, I don't really know where I fit. Where's my place in the church? Where's my place in my life to serve and influence, to be a leader in my area of influence. Well, if that's you, I'd love to pray for you today. We'd love to pray for you. We'd also love to chat to you about what that might be in the coming weeks. Try and work that out with you, wrestle through that with you. And then pray that God might give you some gifting that you've never had before and develop into something and just watch and see where God takes it. I had lots of rugby coaches over the years praying for different, uh, sorry, praying, that would have been amazing. They were playing, I was playing for different teams. And uh, one of the things that just has really stuck with me is that coaches who coached us in a way that was encouraging and built us up and said, okay, brilliant, Jonathan, you're so good at welcoming people. Do you know what? I just love the way that you welcomed people this morning. It was just so uplifting, well done. When people said things like that to me when I was playing rugby about my rugby skills, I would get better. Now, they wouldn't lie to me. It would be constructive feedback, but they would give me encouragement. But the coaches who I didn't perform very well under, and it was probably the same with almost everyone in every team that I played with, where that coach was demeaning or was focused on what mistakes we were making. Don't make that mistake. Why did you do that? Don't do that. Don't do that. If that was the coaching style, we didn't get better. We got worse. But where you have enough structure in place, but also freedom and encouragement, that's where we thrived. So of course you need leadership. Of course you need structure. Of course you need guidance and feedback and told when things aren't great. But you know what? I think most of what we need is encouragement. It's to be reminded that we're 
God's gifted us that we all count in this body, the church, that he cares immeasurably about each of us, that each one of us has a role, that each one of us is called by God to do something significant. And so let's be a church that encourages. Let's not be a church that's not willing to give up authority. It's not willing to give up some of the things that we do. Let's not make it about us. Let's make it about others. Willing to see more and more people rise up and do incredible things for God. What I'd love to do is just finish by reading Joshua chapter 1. So if you do have your Bible, it would be helpful just to go there and have a look. Joshua 1, 1 and 2. And as I do this, as I read this, I, I just want you to think, what land has God put in front of you? What kingdom advancements is God calling you to? What is he calling you to do? Is he preparing you to cross the Jordan into some area of influence that you might have for the kingdom of God? What courage is he calling you to have in what area? So Joshua 1, 1 and 2 says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. What land is God about to give you? What does he want to give you? I want to pray for all of us right now about that. But then what I'd also like us to do is during the worship is this kind of area over here, my right, your left at the back. I would like to turn that into an area where you can just go and be prayed for and commissioned. And uh, one of the things that we see here in Numbers is that Moses was commanded to lay hands on Joshua and pray for him. Well, I would love to do that for you. So if that is being commissioned for what God wants to do with you in your workplace or your family or an area where you just feel like you need the courage to be these leadership characteristics that God's calling you to be, like Joshua, then go to that part of the, the room during our worship and uh, we'd love to pray for you. So if you are somebody who regularly prays for people here and you don't want to go for prayer yourself at this moment, then if you would kind of make your way there uh, when we start worshiping, that would be really helpful. All right, why don't we get on our feet and we'll worship Jesus together. Lord God, thank you for Joshua. I pray, Father, that this series would really help us to see uh, what areas you're calling us to be advancing into with your gospel, your good news about Jesus. We know that leadership is ultimately about Jesus. It's ultimately about you. But Lord, we thank you that where that leads us is to the cross. Thank you that as we look to you, Jesus, we see this servant king the king who was willing to lay down his life for his people. We see Jesus, son of God, the man who is God, laying down his life for us. And in that we are set free because the truth is found there. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to be a people advancing for your glory and Glasgow's good as we look to the cross as we look to you Jesus this better Moses who is willing to die in our place 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.